we enjoy, I don't know, do you enjoy the freedom that we have here? You know, there's a lot of men and women who have served in the armed forces. Uh, a lot of families who paid uh, the price of losing a loved one. And Tuesday is Veterans Day. Take time this week and thank a veteran. We're here. We can do this. We've we've traveled around the world and we've been in places where you can't meet openly like we do here because other places in the world do not enjoy the freedoms that we do. And it's something that we should not take lightly. I want to ask the men to come forward for the morning offering. Stand with us and let's sing a couple more songs. Holy Lord, most holy. 
I can safely go anywhere he leads me in this world below anywhere without him dearest joys would fade anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid anywhere anywhere fear I cannot know anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Anywhere with Jesus, I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hands may lead me over dreary ways, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. Anywhere, anywhere, there I cannot know. Where with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free, ready as he summons me to go or stay. Anywhere with Jesus when he points the way. Anywhere, anywhere, there I cannot know anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Thank you. You may be seated. Young People's Church, however we want to call it. Get out of here. Somebody asked me yesterday what what I was going to be talking about this morning. They remembered last week. Who remembers last week? What 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 did we talk about last week, Pat? About the pastor. We talked about the pastor, huh? Okay. And how many requirements are there? Sixteen requirements. If you know, depending on the translation that you use. But I, I go back to James chapter 3, verse 1, says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. I'm not perfect. I guarantee that. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife, and she'll tell you I am not perfect a lot of ways, but if you look at God's Word, there are some requirements for 
you desire the office of a teacher or a pastor, deacon, elder, there's things that go along with that. Before we get into this morning's message, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, just thank you for our time together this morning. Father, thank you for each one who's here. Father, for those who can't be here uh, because of illness, we pray for a speedy recovery for them. But Father, if you open your word this morning, I pray that you'll just speak through us and give us truth from your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, Pat said last week I talked about me, about the pastor. Well, the word deacon that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at first, starting in verse 8, that word deacon also means minister. The literal translation also can be minister. And Paul and Apollos were, are called deacons. And the Lord, the Lord himself in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, is called a minister. Matthew 20, verse 28. It says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That word serve, that's what, you know, that's what deacons do. Deacons are to serve in God's house. Romans chapter 13, verse 4. Imagine what it would be like if we didn't have all this technology. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do not do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Hmm. Servant to help. You know what? Government officials are called servants. You know? What is what does the police car say on the side of it? To protect and serve. Ministering, serving. What do deacons do? Minister and serve. But you know what? You can also have those who are not serving God in the way that they should. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, it says, Therefore, it is no good thing if he, his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Satan has his band of evil ones who minister for him. The general term deacon means servant or a worker. Did, did anybody notice anything different this morning? It was kind of funny watching y'all come into the church this morning, trying to figure out where you sat, where you're supposed to sit, because it doesn't look like it did last week. I told Pat I was going to get him out of the back row. I moved the row. It's gone. Actually, that is your seat, Pat. I took the row off the front. Well, I, I, I thought you might, but, and then I, I didn't hardly recognize you. You're not in your normal seat. Flexible, okay. 
Mary Berry's not flexible, right? But did you notice anything this morning when you walked in? We had lights, right? Did you notice anything wrong with the lights? No, because you're not OCD. One of them's burnt out. See, y'all don't y'all don't see that, right? Some piece. That one was replaced. It's a different one this week. How does it get done? How does the lawn get mowed? What lawn, what grass man? How does it get mowed? How does the trash get taken out? Somebody has to do it, right? You know, I've been told it's a preacher's job. My last church, the problem was most of the guys and men in the church, I was the youngest voting member of the church when I went there as their pastor. Most of them couldn't climb a ladder. And we had a high vaulted ceilings. And they gave me this ladder to change light bulbs with. Well, as most of you can tell, I'm not the littlest guy on the block. I got about halfway up that ladder and one of the rungs bent. It was an aluminum ladder and it just bent. So you know what they did to help me with this problem? They went and bought a bigger ladder. They did. They, on, they went and bought a little giant ladder that would hold a guy my size until I could change the light bulbs in the church for it. Uh, if you've got a ceiling, you know, that one's probably not bad, but if you have a ceiling that's 20 or 30 feet tall and your projector's hanging from the ceiling, it's not fun changing the bulb in that projector. As far as I had to stand on top of the ladder, unscrew it, take it down, change the bulb, and then try and screw it back in blindly because that's high as the ladder would go. But you know what? That's what God's Word calls us to do, right? I don't mind doing it. I've cleaned toilets. I was mopping the floor one day in the kitchen at our in the last church. I'm in flip-flops. Now, we're in Southern California, so t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops, and I'm mopping the floor, and some lady comes along and says, does anybody know where the pastor is? And I stopped, and I said, that would be me. She looked at me, and she goes, you're the pastor? Like, yeah, she says, but then I'm like, I do this, you know. Why not? Why not? You know, we want to be in a place, but we have to understand there are requirements to be officers or deacons in the church. And we think of the account in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, is giving an occasion for the office of deacon. It doesn't say the word deacon, but in, it says in verse 1, Now in those days, when the number of disciples had multiplied, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. See, there's some requirements right here. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. 
whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That was their duty. That was their job. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte, and a from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. We believe this is the earliest recorded mention of deacons in the church. What were they to do? They were there to serve. And we were in Africa, and I can't tell you what year it was, we were in Kenya, and they were in a, one of the worst droughts they'd had in that region. People were dying, their cattle were dying. And one of the things we did is we went out and bought, we would call it masa, cornmeal, five pound bags of cornmeal. But we bought bales of it and loaded down this taxi that we were in. It was a van. Everywhere we could stuff this stuff, we put it in there. And we took it and we gave it to the elders. The, the men of the tribe, and they distributed it to the women. We couldn't give it to the women. No, we could have. We could have said, oh, here, this is a gift from us to you. But we gave it to the church, and what the church distributed to the needs in the church. That's what this is. They, the, they, they wanted, said the widow's were neglected in the daily distribution. But you know what's more important than changing light bulbs, raking the leaves, trimming the bushes? You know what's more important for the deacons? For these spiritually... Woohoo! <laughs> you thought I was going to drop the whole thing, didn't you? And we'll put all the pages back in. They fall out regularly. I glued it back together about six or eight times. Guess I gotta glue it again. You tell what part I, I read a lot, huh? We have a problem in many churches today. We appoint people to the office of deacon without really watching to see if they're qualified. We don't look. You know, somebody comes in, oh, they look really good. Let's make them a deacon. We think because people are successful, they're going to be a great deacon. But you know what? That's not always true. Paul's emphasis in First Timothy is the local church and how we need to, and Mike, we were talking Tuesday night, Pat, Mike, and I, about how we can't be so inwardly focused as a church that we neglect what we're supposed to be doing out here. And I talked about that weeks ago. We've got to be outwardly focused. We've got to be trying to reach this community with the gospel. And it's going to take all of us. But the deacons have to have a spiritual ministry in the community. We often put material things. And I'm I'm big on light bulbs. I'm big on keeping the place looking nice and clean. But we have to be 
that's more focused on the spiritual end of it. Someone once put it, when a church ceases to be in touch with another world, she is no longer in touch with this one. What is our focus as a body of believers? Is it to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior? So, what's the responsibility of a deacon? Verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent. Some translations say great. Should be a man of dignity. Should be someone that people look up to. That can look at him and say, this is a godly man. This is a person of godly character. Not just a character, but a godly character. We have some characters. We gotta have God have the godly character too. And it says not double tongue. A deacon can't be two-faced. You know? It can be dangerous. It is actually it's really dangerous for someone to try and please everybody. Uh, there's a fine balance. Between Mr. Milk Post and a dictator. Some of you got it, some of you didn't. I can tell by your expression. Oh, whatever you would like, that would be just fine. Ron, if, if it'll make you happy, we can do whatever you would like. No, that's not what it tells us. But it doesn't say, you better do it my way. You better get that thing built for me or you're going to be in trouble. You, you thought I forgot, didn't you? But we have to have a balance. There has to be a balance of where we are and the way people see it. If you're just nothing but no toast. You ever have no toast with a kid? We're talking about a good day. And evidently, my aunts and uncles and mom make no I think you got milk toast when you were sick, you know. Warm milk. They made toast. They put a little sugar on it, cinnamon, and poured milk on top of it in a bowl. Yeah, it was nasty. But we used to have it. And, and it reminds me of that. you like soggy bread? No. Well, I don't want somebody serving beside of me that's just going to always be there okay. And that's what God's Word tells us. Not double tongue. Not someone who wants to make everybody happy and do what they want them to do. Not giving too much wine. I'm going to leave it. I'm, I'm not going to go real far with this, but the Bible teaches temperance. It doesn't teach total abstinence. you got to understand, in the day that Scripture was written, water did not have Actually, if you knew what was in your water today, you probably wouldn't want to drink it either. But water was not pure. And they used to mix alcohol with the water for purification. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, he says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake your frequent infirmities. How many of you have ever had NyQuil? 
Why do we drink NyQuil? Because we get a good night's sleep. Look at how much alcohol is, alcohol is in NyQuil. I remember my dad, when I was a kid, my dad was in the hospital and the doctor prescribed beer for him. In the hospital. We were in a Catholic hospital and the nun said, well, we can't. We can't. We can't go buy beer. And my mom goes, well, if the boys go get it, can you give it to him? And they said, as long as we have a prescription. So the doctor wrote out a prescription for beer. My brother and I, who were minors, went downstairs to a convenience store, bought a six-pack of beer, took it up there, and they taped the prescription onto the beer because his kidneys weren't functioning. Two cans of beers, his kidneys started working. When I got out of the hospital last year, they told me, you need to drink a little bit of wine to help with your stomach. No, that's what God's Word says. But a man who's in a position as a deacon should not be using Michael every night. Right? It's what it says. It says, not given too much wine. And I'll be honest with you, if it causes your brother to stumble, Not greedy for money. I think the King James probably says not greedy of filthy lucre. Is that what it says, Mark? Yeah, not greedy of filthy lucre. It means that a deacon should not have this insectionable love. He should be someone who knows how to manage his money and be a man of integrity. I don't know. I, I, actually, I do know. There's designated funds here. I'm not sure what they're designated for, but if you give designated funds for a certain thing in the church, guess where that money needs to go? It needs to go for those designated things. And if the board decides that that money, we had a church plant fund of a church that we worked in years and years ago, and somebody gave on a regular basis to a church plant fund. They never were going to plant another church in that community. And they had a need one time, so we went to this man and said, hey, we've got this. And it was under $500, designated, and we knew who gave it. And said, can we use this for a need of a church? That was his right to do that. But we didn't have the right to spend designated funds. We've, we've got... I, uh, a couple young men, when we first met them, they were about this big. Now they're about this big and about this big. You know how they take the offering? They were taught when they were growing up that this is how you take the offering. They were passing the plate. You know why they were taught to do it this way? Because if this hand is back here, Tempted to reach in them. I mean, they're, they were young. They wore white gloves. It's an African American church. They wore white gloves to pass out the bulletins at the door. And when they took offering, they had white gloves on and one hand. And they're in their 20s now. And they still. And they 
I don't know who you. I, I'm guessing the gals that count the money know who you. I don't. I don't want to know. Who I think pastors need to know all of that stuff for themselves in a very dangerous position. Verse nine says, "Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience." told in Acts that the early church continued in the Apostles' Doctrine. The Apostles' Doctrine was faith. What we need to do as a body of believers today is call sin, sin. You know, too many people want to water down. Oh, well, that's a God's word calls it a sin. It's a sin. And what we do, we have to do that holding the mystery of faith. We know what the word of God says. If you're in a position of leadership in the church, you better know what God's word says about what's right and what's wrong to do. And you better do it with a pure conscience. Because that's the next thing that comes up. A pure conscience. First Timothy chapter four, verse two. Well, let's start at verse one. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter days some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot irons. We're told in chapter three, verse nine, we are to have a Conscience, not a conscience that is seared with a hot iron. Verse 10 says, But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve the being found blameless. a lot of different commentaries and translations and in the new century version it says test them first then let them serve as deacons if you find nothing wrong that's easier translation we should not be shoving people into the office an office a month after he joins the church how do you know if, if somebody walks in they're here about a month they join the church, and then all of you make them a deacon. What do you know about that person? Well, Sharon's brother is one of the teaching elders in a church in Massachusetts. They don't even consider anyone until they've examined them for one year serving them off in the church. We have safety practices and procedures for Sunday school teachers and nursery workers and people who work in Awana. What? The deacons should have to do the same thing. You can't put somebody in just because you need a body. 
We need him. Look, you have a Gerald back there laughing. We need you too, Gerald. And Jim. You know, you know. Would we do that? Would we do that to somebody that just walked in the door, put them in a position of leadership? We've seen churches that do it because they're so anxious to have a warm body do something. We've seen churches that put men in positions of deacons without ever going through this and examining them. Aaron, this part's for you. Likewise, their wives. Mary goes, you going to talk about wives today? And I'm like, likewise, their wives must be reverent. The King James called it great. The wives, they need to be serious. Not slanders. These are not gossips. A gossiping wife in a church can cause more trouble. A gossiping deacon. You know, when we share stuff in deacon meetings, I hold it very confident. It's confidential stuff. I don't believe a deacon's meeting should be closed unless there's a pursuit of discipline. If you ever want to come, and we're talking, come on in. If there's something you can't be in there, well, we'll tell you to leave. But a, a deacon's wife can't be someone who, as soon as her husband comes home and says, Honey, what did you talk about at your deacon's meeting today? If you talk about it, she goes and gets other things. That's what I got out today. Where would we be? Would you ever share anything? After a deacon, if you didn't feel that it was going to stay confidential between you. Temperate or sober. Again, that's sober minded, clear thinking mind, and faithful in all things. A deacon's wife, she should be faithful to her husband, to Christ, and to his cause. And what is a deacon's cause? The further the kingdom the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Mary, you got up three. Three things you got to remember. Four. I'm sorry, four things. Deacon's number on my favorite four. And then it says, let deacons be the husband of one wife. We covered that a little bit last week. One woman man. That's what it's called. One woman man. Ruling their children and their household well. About last week, it's one of the same requirements that the elder or pastor has to manage his household well. In their own house well. Husband and wife, children and their children in their own house. Many of the same requirements that the elders have back on the because if, if you're just if you're a member of the church and you look at the leadership what you
13 says, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing or a good degree. A deacon who served well will be known as a man of the would, would people out here, this lady right here in this house, I don't know how many of you know her, but this lady in this house knows people that go here or people who have gone here. And she has a lot of respect because the people that she knew or knows that go here, she has respect for because she's seen your walk measures up to your talk. She told me that. She's seen godly examples from people in this church. I don't know if she's ever been here or not. Y'all would have to know more than me, but her name's Mary. Really a sweet lady. What they see out there is If you're a leader in the church, leader in your home, leader in the community, you can be an example. And then probably one of the hardest things for a deacon is boldness. That confidence and that courage to witness. What's the primary responsibility of a deacon? I'm glad you're back that way. You can stop them when they... Somebody asked me what I do. I'm a pastor. 